So we have Jay, who is the CFO of Disney, Inan, the CEO of Maker Studios. Thank you for joining us today. Jay, I had to do a little background you know, research on you, and uh, I just uh -oh. have, some, I uh -oh. have some notes here. They said that uh, you're a closet fan of epic rap battles of history, is my understanding. Not closet, closet anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the one tidbit I could find out about you is that you actually have a nice little plush pillow in your office of Maker Studios. Is it true? It is true. So what a lot of people probably don't know is you were actually a big champion of the acquisition of Maker Studios, working with Maker Studios and promoting the deal. Uh, what interested you in Maker Studios? What interests you in short form content? Well, as a bit of background, um, at Disney, you know, we have our acquisitions are targeted in a very, very specific way. Either they are content acquisitions and IP acquisitions, or they are technology and access acquisitions. And that would be technology that um, advances our cause faster than building it internally or access to audiences that we don't naturally have access to. So clearly acquisitions like Marvel and Star Wars were pure IP acquisitions. Uh, they weren't doing anything we weren't doing, kind of we weren't doing better in fact. And um, our, the, the Disney apparatus could really take use of that IP and bring it to places um, and in ways that they couldn't do. In the case of Maker, it, it was kind of, an, it, it's kind of interesting because I think it is one of those things that has at least a toe in one place and a very heavy foot and a half in the other. And um, obviously access on YouTube, access to millennials in short form was not something uh, Disney's been doing very successfully. Um, we view short form. I think the way people viewed television on, in its birth, that guess what? Movie makers don't make very good television programming uh, guys. And we, as long form producers, don't make very good short form producers. And, um, as we try to tell stories in every medium, and this is a medium that is taking off in a way that's uh, probably unprecedented in terms of speed, we saw Maker first and foremost as a creative force that could use that medium in a way that we had not been successful using it and could advance the storytelling art for us just like we've done in a lot of other disciplines um, on the storytelling side. But it also uh, was a company that had uh, BI, business intelligence, um, into, the, into the internet space that was far better than ours, had access to millennials in short form far better than ours. And we don't want to leave any stones unturned. We want to reach every audience out there. And we know that total viewing of, of video content is increasing, but um, short form is a big piece of that increase. Many hours spent on YouTube, on the internet, viewing content and we don't want to um, give up any share with the assumption that people who are interested in Disney content also want to see that content in short form. So thinking about the innovator's dilemma where they say <clears throat> you end up with content or product that monetizes at a much lower rate but has much greater reach. I, I guess, I don't know the latest figures, but somewhere on the order of 9 billion views per month. About 11. 11. We, we haven't caught up in 30 days, so I guess a bit has happened. 
So Inan, in that context of 11 billion views per month, right. uh, I'd say some journalists wrote stories saying that maybe makers sold too early. And maybe the, all, all the MCNs are, I know we don't define ourselves as an MCN, but all of the short form video companies that sold, sold too early. Do you think we sold too early? And how did, what attracted you to Disney? Well, what, what we've seen over the last few years is an emergence of a whole new ecosystem, a whole new industry in short form. And what started as a phenomenon of self-expression on YouTube and the like uh, quickly became a real business, a real business that drives billions of brand value um, across YouTube and beyond. Uh, within that space, Maker emerged as the category leader. Uh, this is through vast investment in technology, that you're very well aware of, as well as content. Um, the DNA of Maker is content creation. And in that sense, there's very close proximity to what Disney is about. So when we were busy, busy about a week, you know, this is now a year ago, um, in, in driving and defining the space, uh, the focus was how do we get the best content that we can and amplify uh, creativity. We have today approximately 55,000 creators in our network, uh, notching towards uh, 60,000. But the other interesting bit is that we actually, every single day, get between 10 to 15,000 new creators that want to join us. Uh, every single day, 10 to 15,000, of which we pick about 100 through um, uh, filtering technologies and algorithms and eventually an editorial decision. So uh, while we're talking about huge scale um, of you know, 11 billion monthly views, this is 11 billion views a day, uh, sorry, 10, a billion views a day, um, and growing fast. And I might say within that number, less than 10% of it is Disney. We actually haven't yet turned on the Disney uh, machine into this. Uh, you can see the potential. We're still very focused on the quality of our content. So within that context, um, we were looking to advance Maker's position in the marketplace, not by one step, but by 20 steps, in partnering with the best company in the world, with the best content in the world, with most creativity in the world, and there's only one place you can go for that, which is Disney. And so the idea initially was not to sell the company to Disney, but partner with Disney. Um, and extend Disney brands into short form, this new and growing category. And, and as part of that process, we went through you know, uh, a whole iteration of being vetted by Disney, uh, working with the strategic planning group at Disney, and some people know what that means. Um, in doing that, uh, this is a group that reports into Jay. And at the end of that process, we came on the other side and they said, you know what, it's actually better than we thought. Why don't you just do it here? Uh, you, stay you stay flexible, you, stay, you keep your own culture, you stay in your building, you do your thing, but do it as part of the World Disney Organization. We'll give you more resources, access to our content, and let's go build a huge business. And do you reveal, uh, I know the numbers, but do we reveal publicly how much of our audience is global outside the US? Yeah, it's about 70% is outside of the US. So that must also play well into long-term structural themes for Disney, no? Absolutely. You know, there are, uh, you know, it's no secret that um, Asia becomes an increasing uh, footprint in almost every type of purchasing. Um, and, and, um, um, and 
wealth creation and growth in wealth, yet uh, Asia is a continent that is extraordinarily fragmented. And fragmented, uh, uh, you know, small fragmented markets are not the easiest thing to reach when you're driving, you know, an aircraft carrier. And sometimes it helps to have helicopters. And I think that, you know, in early brand building and early access to consumers at extremely low cost to them, um, at extremely low infrastructure to the Walt Disney Company, uh, that is uh, um, homegrown in many cases because obviously um, the key to maker is not only what's produced over in Culver City, but what is produced around the world using Disney IP makes that indigenous content right off the bat and indigenous con uh, content um, speaks better, particularly uh, in Asia, India, uh, 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 rather than Western Europe and, and uh, North and South America. Indigenous content is the key to success. So Maker um, is a great inroad for us in these many small markets, which won't be small 10 years from now. It'll be huge 20 years from now, um, and where we want to have uh, real access. The knock that, again, people outside the business who don't see the metrics uh, I know I have seen over the years has been YouTube doesn't monetize well. How would you respond to that? I mean, are you concerned about that? Well, I, look, I think that um, something the size of Maker taken on by a company the size of the Walt Disney Company you know, has to score on multiple dimensions. Financial is one, but strategic access, the, the kinds of things we've been talking about, opening up a new medium for us, opening up parts of the world, um, you know, having a farm system for great future creators. Um, you know, there are many strategic dimensions on which Maker is important to us. Um, in terms of YouTube monetization, I would say, look, today our game is YouTube, but we never thought from day one that there weren't going to be alternative paths for Maker, and in fact, you know, Anand can elaborate on them, but Maker TV, of course, you know, is an internally owned, high quality, and you know, we're strong believers that regardless of the medium, high quality content gets returned. And, um, and today, when you think about, well, YouTube monetizes badly, you know, look at the production values, look at the investment that goes into the average minute of what's on, uh, uh, what's on YouTube today. But if you look at what goes into the production of Disney franchises, Disney characters, Disney music, and on and on, and then apply the bit more that it takes to create a, a minute for YouTube, you've got an, you're, you're harvesting an incredible and amortizing incredible amount of investment in that content that by definition is higher quality, and we believe will uh, get a higher return even on YouTube. And on how are you thinking about how to monetize Look, YouTube has done an amazing job in catalyzing a whole industry. Uh, they didn't quite you know, give birth to it, but they definitely um, defined the, the, the category and drove, as I said earlier, billions of dollars of brand value into the system. Um, in, in most ways, you look at the, at, at, at the platform, there's double-digit growth rate at pretty much every metric you're looking at that matter. So you can look at other um, you know, areas such as social or, or um, blogging or whatever, and clearly, you know, it took years for other companies to evolve as, as fast as they did. So YouTube is actually doing pretty well. Um, with that said, our job is to reach people wherever they are, um, and not everybody is on YouTube all the time. So we're looking to expand our reach and monetization through other means. Um, but we are very happy with the 
growth of Maker and the evolution of our uh, of platform. And when this bought us in May, we were doing about five and a half billion monthly views. So we literally doubled in the time frame. Um, but we're also very focused on, on being a meaningful part of, of the Walt Disney Company. You know, Disney is just about, uh, this is public information. I'm not disclosing anything that I'm not supposed to, but is call it around 50 billion revenue, uh, you know, uh, dollar company. And Maker, Maker is, is about 20% of is, that. It's... Maker is about to become, <laughs> yeah. So, exactly. you know, we wanna, we have to, and we intend to, and we have every reason to believe we will be a meaningful part of that. So the first year post-acquisition Maker was pretty autonomous, running its own business, growing its own business, and starting to build the webs and tentacles into the Walt Disney Corporation. I know that the plans going forward are more how do we take all this great IP and bring it to online audiences in short form. And what, t talk about some of the initiatives if you can. Or talk about any that you can in terms of how we want to work with Walt Disney. Well, we, we work in two planes. We're still growing our organic, endemic um, uh, network of content creators. And this is, as I said earlier, the majority of the 11 billion monthly views to date. Uh, and this is still a key priority to continue to be a category leader in the space and working with all these amazing creators all over the world and, and entrench that position. And uh, the second plan is working in extending the Disney content and franchises into short form. We, we've announced at the end of last year a few initiatives in extending our content into television, into some of the Disney platforms on Disney Channel, Disney XD, and Fusion. Uh, this, so this has been formally announced. And as you can imagine, we're working on numerous initiatives right now that we can't uh, we, you know, announce it today, but you can definitely watch the space and see it coming. I understand there's a big movie coming out in the next year or so. This year. <laughs> <laughs> December 18th, but who's, but who's counting? counting yeah. you know? and, and so, Jay, one of the things that we've talked about in the past, Disney historically produces this amazing content. It gets shown theatrically on television, on DVD. It gets experienced through physical products. But all of those have distribution channels. One of the things I know you've been a big champion of at Disney is uh, access to more direct relationships with customers, customer insight, customer data. Talk a little bit about that in the context of Makers. Theory. Yeah, that, you're absolutely right, Mark. You know, um, we're an enormous company. Uh, you know, our brands are, are incredibly well known. Um, you know, whether it's ESPN or Disney or Pixar, uh, now uh, Lucas, uh, a Star Wars franchise. But if you look at our business mix, you know, whether that is through the pay television ecosystem, whether it's through um, uh, movie exhibitors, um, whether it's through licensees, which, which, uh, which occupy most of uh, the Disney products you see around the world, we do, we, do, we do use a distribution network that we don't own for the most part. Our theme park business is obviously direct to consumer. Disney Store Online is direct to consumer. And, and here and there, there are touch points that are direct to consumer. But I'm a strong believer that um, you know, down the road, and I don't think very far down the road, you know, owning the customer data, um, own, you know, knowing your customers um, is, um, is going to be the, the ultimate uh, competitive advantage and key to success. And to the extent that you know your customers, you'll better monetize um, your products to them. And, um, and by the way, that relationship usually ends up being you know, richer, rich, rich rewards financially for the company. 
Um, so one of the things that we look at in, in new ventures that we put out there, whether it's the technology behind uh, something called My Magic Plus at our theme parks, which um, you, I'm sure you've all read about, these magic bands that you know, allow us to identify much more explicitly um, what customers, uh, what guests at our theme park are doing as opposed to you know, a broadcast model where you present a product and people consume it in ways that you don't know. Well, Maker is the on online analog to that. Um, we have you know, a one-to-one -one relationship with, with consumers and it allows us to um, not only use the algorithms that Inan already referred to that are native to, uh, to Maker, but over time um, build that as part of the overall customer journey, as part of overall, the overall customer relationship in knowing who they are online and where they are online and what they're interested on, in online and subsequently you know, try to identify them when they show up at our theme parks and show up at Disney Store online. And, um, uh, and, and on and on and on, all the ways of ESPN has of reaching people directly and so on. So it is, for us, a big step um, into the future. Um, it is something that we uh, are spending a lot, of, a lot of time thinking about how, um, you know, and, and, and the distribution world is evolving, but it's not evolving extremely quickly, and we want uh, that customer relationship to be more, uh, to, to be quicker. And so, um, again, one of the many dimensions of why Maker made sense for us is very consistent with that strategy. Can you talk a bit about the brand? Because, of course, Disney has a family brand, a youth brand. I mean, I know it also has teen brands, uh, as my kids are uh, consumers of. Maker has an edgier brand. It maybe skews a little bit older, a little bit edgier, racier. Like, how do you think of that in the context of the Walt Disney Corporation? Well, um, first of all, I think that, you know, we try to be um, respectful of the Disney brand without being, uh, without revering it too much in a way that um, we can't evolve, you know, between the 20th century and the 21st century. So if you look, for instance, online today, um, you know, the film Frozen, everyone would uh, would agree that was a film targeted at young families, um, you know, uh, happened to resonate um, incredibly well with them. There are products out there that you would imagine young families buying. However, um, the song Let It Go has over 60,000 um, um, YouTube iterations. And those run the gamut of the human experience. Um, from you know, a cute little girl singing Let It Go when she's getting a shot at the doctors, you know, to kind of, you know, release her stress to other things at the other end of the spectrum. And um, Can you just give us a little performance? <laughs> yeah, here? yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll put my video up in a minute. Um, but, uh, and I think that we've, you know, I think we have to be thoughtful about that. I, I don't think we, we, um, uh, it, in, today, I don't think you can be outraged by where people take your brand. Now, there's a limit, of course. There's a limit, and we've probably taken down lots of stuff around Disney franchises. But I also think that um, you know, we're, we're believers that um, you know, content finds its home. It, it, it ultimately finds its home. The people who don't want you know, to see one end of the spectrum um, um, and, and its interpretation of Let It Go simply don't watch it. And people who you know want to consume the product as we create it do that, and, and and there are you know many points along the spectrum in the middle. Now I would say that um, you know if you take something like Epic Rap Battles, okay, that's not going to be Disney branded, 
It's right? a but bloody no, good show. Yeah, yeah, it is. But nor is Marvel Disney branded, right? right? I mean, we're, we try to be very, very careful about you know, where we use the Disney brand because it, it brings a lot, of, a lot with it. And, and, and what it brings with it is an expectation that Marvel fanboys don't um, expect to see in Marvel movies, people who love Marvel, don't expect that to be homogenized by Disney. I think the same is true of things that people associate with the maker brand. They don't want that and don't expect it to be homogenized and don't expect it to be Disneyfied, a word you hear a lot uh, around the world, and we have no intention of doing that. So I think we've learned to coexist and where it makes sense, Disney Pixar. Pixar is very much an independent film studio in their process. Um, and, and, and they're up in Emeryville, and they have their own culture, they, they have their own um, mojo going on, much like Maker does, but close enough to the Disney brand that it was Disney Pixar. Star Wars, you know, uh, will, will yet to be seen how we merge the brands, but Marvel, no. My guess is Maker, no. It's interesting you talked about the Let It Go videos. I thought one of the most successful things, whether it was intentional or fortuitous, was the little tiny taste you guys gave people of Star Wars coming out. And by putting out that trailer, it instantly everybody made their own videos. And those created a life of their own that I imagine builds up anticipation for people to actually come see the theatrical It's amazing. Movies. You know, movie one sheets showed up, unauthorized movie one sheets, showed up five minutes after we, you know, uh, uh, put the now, I think it's been viewed 100 million times or 110 million times uh, the Force Awakens teaser. I hope to some released. extent Maker's getting credit for that, but uh, <laughs> how, do you, how do you think about things like that, like where you can be a leader in helping promote more traditional Disney businesses and building audiences? Yeah, look, uh, what, what, one of the interesting things that transpired um, is that, you know, Disney is obviously 170,000 plus employees, and Maker is a little less than that. Yeah. Uh, but somehow, I would say, feels a lot smaller, you know, and, and we, there's, it's like your phone call away from anyone in the organization. And, you know, really, you know, Jay been our champion, but it's been quite an amazing process in terms of, you know, so little friction and kind of natural uh, symbiotic relationship between Maker and Disney. And, you know, you, you can say it couldn't be two more opposite companies at the spectrum between a startup company and the largest media company in the world. Uh, but at the same time, we do share this DNA of focus on quality content, consumer experience, and, and, and creative values that make that connection very, you know, very kind of natural and obvious. So you talked a little bit about the connection points between Maker and Disney. One of the things I would love for the startup companies that one day may be acquired to learn from you, because I think this acquisition has been very successful, how do you go about making sure that you can be independent, keep your culture, keep the team focus excited, get value, uh, but still build an integrated relationship after the acquisition? Because a lot of acquisitions are not as successful as this. Of course, and, and obviously there's gotta be, it's gotta be on merit. You can't fake it, but, but uh, it's been you know, a process of, of evangelizing and connecting and, and presenting maker um, to all of the Disney divisions, it has been a little bit like pushing into an open door because wherever you go, people do want to engage and want to, to, to work with you. You know, I, I've grown to 
really admire uh, Disney in, in, through that process, and I have known Disney from before, but the company evolved so much in being a lot more entrepreneurial and, and, and focus on innovation and trying to be a leader rather than a follower. And you see it in pretty much everything Disney does, not just in acquiring Maker. Um, and that plays really well to what we do. So, you know, clearly we are in a different category than, I mean, we almost go against, you can say, what traditional television is and the normal distribution platforms. But given Disney's interest in Maker, it's exactly what they needed. So no one is saying, why don't you be a little bit more like us? It's the opposite. It's that stay your course and people are interested to align to you. I mean, you know, we have tours of Disney senior executives coming to Maker to, 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 to see our studios, like our studios. And, you know, you have a few sound stages. This is like internet days. You know, we produce, you know, videos for two shekels and you get the head of, Disney like studios coming to our place and like, oh, wow, interesting. Very interesting how you do it, how you do that. And you kind of say like, this is Disney coming and being impressed with what we do. And the answer is yes, because they see, they, they're open to, to new approaches to innovation and really take on to that. So when we come and present our way, they, 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 they jump on it. They want to work with us. And it's been a great process. In that so place. success is the best antidote. But I imagine, Jay, some amount of it is top down. I imagine some of your passion, some of Bob's passion for the business and encouraging people to be good team players must, like, again, just lessons learned for post-merger yeah. Well, let me, uh, the interesting thing about post-merger post lessons is, um, it, my, in my experience, they start pre-merger. Um, and, and I remember the day um, we, we being our head of, of strat planning, myself and Bob, uh, visited Maker Studios in Culver City. This was pre the notion of buying them. And, you know, so if you have a business development guy in a big company, he wants to do business development. He wants to buy stuff and he takes you to see a lot of stuff. And, um, and you know, I think Bob and I arrived in Culver City like in... I won't say autopilot mode, but sort of in here we go mode. And, um, and, you know, most of these things don't turn out to be anything. And we go in, we meet the team, and we go out in the parking lot, and we're like, okay, done. You know, let, let's move on. And when we met the maker team, and I'm sure Anon remembers this meeting extraordinarily well, um, and, and I guess this is a lesson for, uh, uh, for anyone who, you know, wants to present themselves um, to be acquired or partner with a big company, it wasn't, so, you know, even though Maker has a pretty relaxed environment and an environment that's extremely different, and I don't know, the you know, average age, as, as I'm sure many of your organizations must be 26 or something. Um, and um, I, I, I ruin it. Yeah, yeah, you ruin it. But when, you know, Inan and Courtney and, and Aaron and Jason and Ryan, um, the way they presented themselves was not, hey, you know, this is like a really cool place and we're doing cool stuff and we have this, you know, these great cool shows and let's throw up some stuff and you can see it and make your own, you know. They were very directive in how they presented um, what the balance sheet of Maker looked like. This is what we're good at. This is what we're doing. This is what we don't do. This is what we don't know how to do. And, and, and as importantly, this is, and, and as Anand said, this started from a notion that they would be partners and not, uh, not acquired. 
you know, this is why we think Disney IP would be great in this space and how you would utilize it. And so when we got out into the parking lot after the hour, it was, it was like, holy cow, this is like real. These, these guys are real. These guys are like us or like we want, we'd like to be or like we were, you know, 20 years ago. And, uh, and I think that level of thoughtfulness, professionalism, um, kind of knowing who you're talking to, you know, knowing what, you know, knowing what the stakes are, really um, presenting yourself as a company who wants to be part of a bigger family, although you're fiercely independent and completely different, I think worked. And that has carried through with the tours that I don't think they put on any airs for people as to, you know, we're like you, we're trying to be, we're not like you. We're completely different, but, um, you know, we, um, we work hard to figure out the similarities and how we can add value to your business. And the people who, my peers, that go down to Maker, uh, to Culver City, come back experiencing that, that these are people who want to further the cause of the, of the mothership. Um, and they have their own way of doing it, and we're not sure, you know, we're not sure it'll work, and we're not sure we'll like them and what they do, but we know they're on, they're on the same path, you know, even though, if, even if it's a little, you know, creek versus a raging river, that, that is, but it's moving in the same direction. And I think that obviously, you know, Bob's interest, the way we talk about Maker, the, way, the fact that it reports to me, I mean, those are all strong signals within the organization that, hey, you know, this isn't a sidecar, this is something we want to be integrated into the corpus of the company. Um, and, and of course, Inan and Courtney and, and Aaron, as he said, they have to earn that with value. You know, in a big company, like most of your life, it's all fun and games, but when there's no value, you, the fun and games move on. Yep. And, um, and so they do, like every part of our, every person in every part of our company have to prove the value that they can deliver. Otherwise, people, not that they don't like them, just they have other, other things to do. As you know, the, the key, I would say the key thing um, that a lot of entrepreneurs in the room, obviously, but, but what's really important is to always have a clear vision where you're heading and how you would look like when you're really big. It's hard when you're a small company, when you're in startup mode, you've, you're fixated on the day-to-day, -day, you know, keeping, you know, having enough money in the bank, retain, you know, retaining employees, hiring, growing, doing deals, but you always have to have that, you know, clear knowledge of, okay, if I was knowledge as opposed to imagination, if I would be part of a, uh, when I'll be big, or big part of a big platform, what I would do then, that is really crucial. And we always, always had that vision, and when we met at that key meeting, but also throughout the process, we were able to uh, see for ourselves and then articulate that um, of what would happen when the two companies get together. Um, so that played really according to plan so far, and you know, we still, it's still early, so you know, I wouldn't, you know, we're very careful of calling it a successful acquisition yet because we want to deliver on the promise and the potential and opportunity, but we're very focused on that. But the, 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 all these you know, exchanges and conversations have been so productive that it's, you know, it's proving that what we saw at the time actually carried through. And the, <clears throat> as someone who saw the two weeks prior to your meeting, I can tell you, and this I hope a lesson learned for others, you don't get that big meeting that many times when you're a startup, right? You 
have a series of opportunities that present themselves once a year or once every two years. And the amount of time and thought that you guys as an executive team put into saying, when they turn up, we want to be able to tell them what we think we could do for them. Yeah, very important. Because I, having been to a lot of these meetings, a lot of them are, hey, look at what we do. You know, look at what we do. This is really cool. Look at what we do. And sometimes it is. But you got to imagine a guy like Bob Iger, right, running a $50 billion organization, things popping up by the second. You can't make people like us do the work to say, now, how would this work for us? And eh, you got to do some of that. You got to do some so of that. So last question. You're absolutely right. Last question. Our thesis at Upfront is that <clears throat> with the infrastructure of the internet largely built, and it'll continue to be built, but it exists, that content and commerce themselves will become much bigger investment themes. Because when you think about what we do on the internet, we consume content and we buy stuff, right? And we communicate with others. We call them the three Cs. How are you guys thinking about LA Tech? Because our thesis is with way more maker studio type companies or early stage startup companies being founded, how do you work with those companies? Because you're not going to buy them all. But if we want the creative tech meets creators community to continue to thrive in LA, we have to make investments. How do you guys think about that? Well, you know, uh, I think that we, I don't disagree with, with, uh, with the thesis that you laid out. And I think that we have tried to, um, always think of advances in technology as something that will advance our cause as opposed to um, hurt our cause. And, and it's hard to think that way when you're a big company because you're part of big, uh, powerful ecosystems that deliver a lot of value. Take you know the cable television, satellite telephony ecosystem today for delivering television in huge value um, uh, uh, to Disney as a content provider, but the simple fact is that there are insurgent technologies that you can either cons consistently look at as the enemy, or you can look at them as the future and figure out you know, how to embrace those and how to work those. And for us, at this point, you know, we've got feet on two different gas pedals. The, the, the incumbent system is still incredibly valuable, continues to add value, is an incredible value for consumers, but there's a vision that there'll be you know, another way. And I think that as a big company, you've got to go out, you've got to reach out, and instead of saying, oh, you know, that's nothing, or um, that's not going to happen, or it's tiny compared to what we are, you've really got to embrace those technologies. So we did start out with a partnership idea with Maker because this was a perfect example. This was a company that was getting a lot of eyeballs and a lot of hours. You know what? We, we, we need to figure out how to do business with these guys and companies like these guys. And whether you know, it's Snapchat, whether it's Whisper, whether the next thing down the line, you either, you either figure out how, as a content creator, to include them in your distribution ecosystem or you run the risk that it, gets away from you and you and people simply say, you know what, I'll watch something else because what's more important to me is how the content's delivered, where it's delivered, on the device I want, at the speed I want, at the economic model that I want, more than I, I absolutely need that, that particular content. And, and I would say, you know, being in LA was a key reason for our success in, in terms of reaching and working with creative people that uh, are based locally. And it's kind of a, an acronym because, you know, uh, w w Maker is a 
place online and we have creators literally in more than 100 countries, so why does it matter where you're based? It turned out to be pretty important to be based here. And you know, as being an internet company, we don't just play in content, we're actually heavy on tech. Our tech team is the second largest just behind our programming group. So we are very focused on investing in tech. And what makes us an internet company is not that we distribute content online, as opposed to cable or satellite, but what do we do with the fact that we, are in, that we operate on the web and how do we leverage that into more data, scaling what we do and driving reach and monetization through technology and other capabilities that we built and acquired. Uh, so being in LA um, was key. You know, I literally moved here for that, for this reason, because LA proved to be a central hub for what we do. And you know, the advice is really play on the advantages that LA can offer in terms of um, reach uh, into creative people, being around big media companies, and play up to that advantage relative to being in other, in other locations. So I think you know, LA is only bound to become more important, more central. Uh, you don't need to run away, kind of you know, be based necessarily in Silicon Valley or New York for that matter. But, um, there are great opportunities here, and I think it will only get even stronger over time. Great. I'd like to thank you, Jay and Enon, for turning Pleasure. up and sharing right. your thoughts today. Thank, thank you. you.